Hey, this is John Carney, and if you want to create a life with more money, more meaning, and more freedom, you have to listen to the Shit You Don't Learn in College podcast with my good friend, Xander Fryer. How's it going? I'm Xander Fryer, just another millennial corporate dropout turned entrepreneur. Since quitting my day job as an engineer just over four years ago, I built a multi-million dollar coaching business, mentoring seven-figure business owners, professional athletes, award-winning musicians, Hollywood actors, best-selling authors, and hundreds of aspiring entrepreneurs. I truly believe that when we couple the right knowledge with a strong desire for action, anything is possible. But most of us are never given the right knowledge, the shit you don't learn in college. The Sidlick Podcast shares interviews from the world's most successful people in business, finance, sports, health, and entertainment in order to help you live a life filled with more money, more meaning, and more freedom than you ever thought possible. Get ready to learn the shit you don't learn in college. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Xander Fryer here, and we're back with another episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. Our guest today is John Carney. He's one of the top NFL kickers of all time. He started his career at Notre Dame, where he was then drafted by the Bengals, went on to play with the Chargers, Saints, and New York Giants. He's number five on the NFL all-time scoring list. He's on the New Orleans Saints Hall of Fame inductee list, and he's one of only two players to play across four decades Uh, Now he coaches young specialists and place kickers to hone their skills and make it into the NCAA and NFL themselves. You're not going to want to miss this episode. Uh, John digs into how to be calm and confident at the absolute highest level, even with everything on the line and everybody looking at you. Uh, How the best lesson he got from getting cut from his first season in the NFL actually led to him having one of the longest careers in the NFL, uh, spanning across four decades. And the common factor that the most successful people in the NFL, uh, the players have that you might not guess, and there's a ton more in this episode, so you're not going to want to miss it. And don't forget, we only spread our message when you share this knowledge with others that need it. So if you enjoy this episode, please share it on your social and tag at Xander Fryer. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and give us a five-star rating so you don't miss another great episode. I'll see you in there. All right. How's it going, everybody? Xander Fryer, and welcome to another episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. Uh, our guest today, we have the amazing John Carney. He's number number five on the all-time scoring list. Yes. Number five on the Falling all-time... <laughs> number five on the all-time scoring list in the NFL. Um, you've had an amazing career there. I don't want to give away your age, but you're one of the few people that have actually played in the NFL for across, I think, four decades. Is that true. right? That is true. Um, dubious honor. Du- dubious honor. Um, but uh, you've, you've got a lot of accolades. More, more recently, you're helping specialists, whether they're high school, get into the NCAA. Uh, people who are in the NCAA get into NFL and everybody who's, who's working up to get in the league and stay in the league. Uh, you're helping them keep in tip-top shape and make sure that they're making it. Uh, but John, welcome to Shit You Don't Learn in College. Thank you, Xander. My pleasure. Beautiful, man. Um, well, actually, like we're, we're literally in your gym right now. There's, you know... A bunch of people in the office. There's a bunch of people working out outside. What? Just tell me, fill me in. What's going on? I know you and I kind of talked about it already, but just fill me in. So uh, we're at a time of the year where college guys are coming out and having their first opportunity to get NFL exposure. Uh, right now, because of COVID, um, 
some of the, uh, the NFL combine has been canceled. So yeah. they're getting ready for their pro days, uh, which is very important. That's the first time they'll get in front of the eyes of the NFL and really get to show the NFL that they are NFL material. Yeah. Uh, free agents that have been out of college for more than a year. This is also an important year or time of the year for them because uh, there's some more combines that are suited for them to get them in front of NFL scouts and coaches. So we have a, a decent group, a very, very strong group of specialists right now prepping for, for those combines coming up. One's coming up in uh, just about a week. Yeah. So we have guys from all over the country here and actually a lot of people that are a lot bigger than I am. <laughs> Big and strong and fast. Uh, Bigger, stronger, faster skilled, than I am. More skilled uh, than I am. <laughs> we have a couple of guys from out of this uh, country, two from Ireland, sitting nice. right behind the camera. Uh, so uh, it's exciting, exciting time. I love to see these guys prep and get ready and and put their mental and physical together to go and perform their best at these conferences. So, so talk to me about that because I think that's something. Uh, it's it's subtly talked about, but I don't think it's talked about enough. Like, what does it actually take? To make it into the league because it's more than just talent like you can be talented you can be physically gifted but there's a lot more to it than that there is and uh you know coming out of college a lot of these guys uh have the physical ability the physical talent yeah uh i try my best to teach them oh yoda said there is no try there is no try i do <laughs> i do my best to teach them what the word consistency means at yeah. an nfl level doesn't mean that in a football game, I'm going to be most of the time consistent with my punting, kicking, and long snapping. Right. Uh, you're going to be performing your skill from late July to hopefully end of January right into a Super Bowl. Right. That's a half, half of a year that every week on a Wednesday, which is our first full work day uh, in the NFL, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you step on the field, you are performing – at a professional level. Yeah. At the top not, of the top. Right. And then there's Sunday. Yeah. Which that's the really important one where you're doing it for real for your teammates, your coaches, your city, and that next contract and staying in the NFL and in the longevity of your career. Uh, you don't have that margin of error that you have in college. Yeah. You know, I have a couple bad days at practice. You know, maybe I don't feel up to it this game, and you know we're just playing a team we're gonna we're gonna kill by ten touchdowns right. anyway. So I'm gonna sit this one out. We'll have the backup kick for me or punt or snap, and then I'll come back next week because we have a big game. We have right. a big game next week. So none of that exists in the NFL, and especially for these NFL specialists, they're the only guy on the roster that says long snapper yeah. or kicker or punter. There's no backup. Right. So there's a practice squad, and that's a whole other story. But for the most part, you are the guy that those 53 players and 12 coaches depend on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Sunday, every week for six months. And you can't, you, they, you, you can't afford to have a few bad days. Right. Um, one of our, our young players uh, who ended up getting cut by a team early in his career, and, and he bounced back, and now his, his career's on fire. But uh, his head coach said, you can have a bad kick, can't have a bad day. Yeah. Okay? We can't, we can't just that. have an 0 for 5 day. Right. Okay. We, you know, we'll give you permission every once in a while, you know, miss a kick, punt, miss a snap. But we can't do that. There can't be a string of those. Right. And part of my job is to help the player learn 
their technique, learn their style, learn what makes them tick. This was a big conversation we had last year. Know what makes you tick. So now you can troubleshoot yourself and fix yourself very quickly. During, so, during a game. During yeah. the game. Like, yeah, in motion. Yeah. On the go. So you don't have that game where you miss two, three, four, and then, right. okay, well, I, I made the fifth one. I finally figured it out. Right. Too late. Too late. You get the pink slip on Monday morning, clean out your locker, time to go. Right. Well, I think that's, you know, and I think every person out there, you don't have to, you know, be going for an NFL spot to understand what it's like to be in a slump or what it's like to go through, you know, you know, missing a big kick, if you will, or missing a big opportunity. And I think most of us would get stuck in that slump. And so having that skill set to be able to like instantly check it, pull yourself back, ground yourself and move forward is hugely important at any point in life. But obviously when you're on the main stage in front of millions of people, it's not just necessary. It's, it's kind of life or death. <laughs> it is. Well, we try not to make it quite life or death, but, uh, <laughs> but it certainly is your career. Yeah. It's, it's hired and fired. Yeah. Uh, and that happens a lot. And to stay on the hired side of things, um, as we mentioned, you got to be able to troubleshoot on the go. Uh, that word consistency is a capital C, you know, um, italicized and, yeah. a, you know, blocked letter. I mean, it is consistent on a daily basis and it, it has to be that way. They, they expect every time you walk on that field, every time Xander walks on the field, whether it's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or Sunday, he performs at a professional level. Are you saying I have a shot? You do have a shot. Okay. We're going to get to practicing after this. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> So, but I, you, you're talking about consistency here being like the main thing. And I'm assuming this is, this is <laughs> shameless plug. Um, I'm assuming this is the, you know, one of the reasons that you were able to have such a prolific career, if you will, and be able to like do that for so long and be successful is consistency. What, like, what were the habits that you implemented personally that allowed you to do that? Well, coming out of college, I wasn't there. Uh, yeah. Most college guys and most young guys, uh, females for, you know, across the board, at some point we think we're ready for the bigs, yeah. ready for the, you know, I can, I can do this. I can, I can kick the 55 yard field goal. I can, I can hit the, the five second punt or I can snap a ball, you know, it looks like it's on fire, but can we do that nine out of 10 times right. in the, in the, in the one time we don't do it, can it still get the job done or right. is it, or is it a disaster? Um, and can you do it under the big lights, not just doing it right yeah. under the big lights. So, um, I, I needed to learn consistency, uh, more consistency coming out of college. I needed to detail my work better. Yeah. Uh, my preparation better. So across the board, my first training camp with the Cincinnati Bengals. And, um, uh, I thought I was NFL material. I mean, I think I'm, I'm looking at the schedule going, Oh, look, we play Buffalo and we play yeah. the Jets and we play New England. I mean, I didn't even get close to the. I didn't get close to preseason. Never mind the regular season. Yeah. Uh, so I had a lot to learn. I learned Jim Breach was a a veteran kicker at at the Bengals at the time. Uh, a couple years later, he of course he kept his job, and a couple years later, yeah. he had a very good Super Bowl uh, when the Bengals almost beat the 49ers in the Super Bowl. But there's this guy Joe Montana just yeah. gave him a couple minutes, and that was <gasps> <for> that. <laughs> so uh, Notre Dame. Lum, uh, just throwing that out there. Uh, so uh, I, I learned from Jim, and, I, and and from that point on, going to other workouts and tryouts and training camps, paying attention to what the veterans are doing. Okay, I need to learn from what the, the guys that are getting it done, that have done it on a regular basis, that have made a career out of it. 
I need to pay attention to what they're doing. So do you think that you, you clearly had this shift, like, I need to go pay attention more? Like, obviously, you get to this, you, you think you made it to the stage, right? And then you get cut, like, early in your career. Like, do you think that had an effect on you into being like, I got to I gotta work harder, I got to write some of this? Yeah, it was a, it was a wake-up call, yeah. number one. And it was a learning experience because what I thought teams were looking for as a young 23-year-old coming on Notre Dame, uh, it was not what they were looking for. Yeah. Um, there was another kicker in camp with us, Massimo Maka from Penn State. Great, great guy. And uh, when we first got there, we were kicking together, and, and Jim Breach showed up a few uh, days later in training camp. Jim did not kick it really far. Yeah. Jim did not kick it really high. Yeah. Jim kicked it very straight every time. Over and over. But Massimo Maka and myself, as young 23-year-olds, we felt, well, our ball is going much further. Yeah. And much higher. So, obviously, one of us will be the, the Bengals' starting kicker this year. Because right. this guy, his kicks just aren't that exciting. Impressive, yeah. Right? And so, I never saw him miss a kick, actually, Jim Breach. Uh, obviously, Massimo Maka and myself, we did not play for the Bengals. Yeah. And... Um, that was that was a learning experience. Like, oh, they expect us to make it every time. Yeah, and it doesn't have to knock off a satellite to be impressive. Yeah. it just needs to keep going, going straight through the uprights. So that was a learning experience because my my time, you know, at, at that point in my life, kick it hard, kick it high, kick it far, and yeah, most of them go in. That's okay. Right. And that wasn't the case. Yeah. So that was kind of my my first lesson number one. Kick it straight a lot more often. <laughs> I love that. I think that's, I think that's really good. Yes. I know. I know. It was enlightening. So. Don't miss. Don't miss. Don't miss. Just don't miss. Um, so, so obviously, like, you do end up getting to play in the NFL. Um, what uh, – maybe that's what it is. It's kicking it straight a lot more often. But what keeps you in the NFL? Like, what kept you going for that many years and being able to succeed and continue to play at the top level in the world? So I, I tell my guys, and, and this was, we, we find out all these methods to our madness and formulas and strategies uh, as we get in and then how to stay in. Yeah. Uh, one of them is to ignore the critics. Yeah. Uh, you may have heard the story or the, the old adage, they don't build a statue for a critic, a statue for people who actually accomplish things besides yep. criticizing people. So uh, I had to learn not to read newspapers, not to watch local news. Yeah. Sometimes not even to watch ESPN and Sports Center. Yeah. Because they may say something about you and your performance that cuts you deep. And uh, those words and those uh, critics should not be dictating your career. Right. Uh, or your performance, or your preparation, or the belief in yourself. So, and they I can learned, definitely cut into that mindset. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And fortunately, when I played, there wasn't social media. I was, I was going to say it's probably a lot more prevalent right oh, now. With it is. Uh, you everything know, I, going on. I, I can't tell you how many guys have come in here from college and, and young professionals, and and they talk about a bad game they had. Yeah. And they're they're receiving you know DMs. Yeah. You know, die. I hate you. I lost, you, you know, lost me $2,000, exactly. like lost money on you and, you know, all kinds of stuff. Um, that's horrible. That's yeah. horrible. 
and it's and, you know it's faceless, nameless people that are DMing you or, or commenting on your performance. Uh, so I'm feel very fortunate that wasn't around when I was playing, yeah. but there were certainly plenty of media and and critics out there that could um, that could get inside your head and your thinking. Uh, and so uh, I learned pretty pretty quickly. Blinders on, earplugs in during the season. My my circle of influence. Yeah. Uh, the people that I chose to listen to and take to heart was very very small. Right. It might be a kicking coach or a special teams coach, uh, maybe a couple family members, a couple. Maybe <laughs> yeah. Maybe a but couple, I, and maybe not. That's really important. Sometimes though. mom and dad and brothers they might and not know best. Don't always have the best thing to say and, you know, and whoever those yeah, whoever those people that you're listening to like that's affecting your thoughts yeah. your beliefs how you end up performing on that Sunday yep. so uh so yeah my my circle of uh, of influence the people that I uh, allowed uh to discuss or I would engage in a discussion with them about the game or my performance or something about the career uh was very very small yeah in the off season, I could open up and, and discuss that with anybody. But during the season, when it's crunch time, and yeah, and you know, yeah, things didn't go well this Sunday, and oh, in six game, six more days, I have another game. I got to do this all over again, uh, and the haters will be out. Yeah, you know, how am I going to approach this? Get ready for it and perform well next next Sunday and chill everybody out. Yeah, well, I'm not playing in the NFL, but I can appreciate that because the haters online. On social media and Facebook, I actually have to have one of my team members go through and clean them up for me because I really? can't I can't look at them. Oh my god! Because there's so much negative yeah. stuff that like people, you know, when you put out ads or anything like that, like people will just troll those things, really? like making fun of like everything about you, like your hair, how tall you are, like oh you're the fakest person of all time, oh another one of these, blah, blah. and it's like just people ripping wow. into you all the time. I didn't know that. Now you know. Because I, I follow you. I follow you. I give you I, likes. I, I give you likes. I appreciate like, you. I appreciate what can they your likes. criticize about Sanders? But that's, see, that's, a, you know, one of my, one of my mentors, uh, Jack Canfield. Do you know Jack? Yes. So Jack well, wrote, yeah, wrote yeah. Uh, Chicken Soup for the Soul and Success Principles. If anybody's ever met that man, he's the living embodiment of just like purpose and love and like action. Like he's amazing man. Yet he has so much negative crap about him out there. It amazes me. And I'm like, like, have you met the guy? Like, he's literally nothing but emanating goodness. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, I can, I can definitely appreciate that. So, um, so that being said, uh, you, like, ever since I've known you, which is, you've been a couple of years now, um, you, you exude just calm confidence. Right. And I don't know if that's from your time in the NFL or if that's just you as a person. Like, how do you how do you get to that point? Uh, I'm just ignorant. I'm just ignorant. <laughs> I just don't pay attention to a lot of things in my life. I'm OK uh, with that. I think that's a good answer, though, because so I think a lot of people worry about a lot of stuff. They do. And, and I actually come from a family of warriors. Yeah. <clears throat> Not warriors, but warriors. Warriors. <laughs> Uh, my mom loved her to death. Uh, God bless her soul. Uh, she and my dad are in heaven right now, but um, she passed on that little gene to me, the worry <laughs> gene. Yeah. Uh, so I had to learn how to control that yeah. and not replay and rehash and, and, and uh, regurgitate uh, a bad performance or anything else in my life that was, was not going well. 
and uh, kind of get through it, troubleshoot it, find answers, find peace, find forgiveness, healing, and move forward uh, instead of just wallowing in it. Yeah. Because uh, that's exhausting. So I had to learn that through <laughs> trial and error. Um, I will tell you this. Most of the kickers that I become friends with, peers of mine in the NFL, had a very strong faith foundation. Yeah. Uh, they, they knew, they believed that football wasn't their life, that there's there's bigger, something there's big, something deeper there's something, something deeper more. something bigger in their lives they're here they're they were born uh into this world to to have influence and do bigger and better things than just kick a football punt a football snap a football yeah that could be a platform uh we could certainly use that to our advantage uh, and help people through that uh but that's wasn't our sole purpose reason why we were put on this earth yeah um, so well, to, uh, uh, talk to me about that a little bit more, because I think I think faith is a little bit of a taboo subject in the world. And to be honest, I haven't met a lot of extremely successful people that don't have some form of faith, right? It might be religious faith, it might be spiritual faith, it might be you know Mother Earth and Universe Juice, whatever it might be. But like faith seems to be at the core of success for some reason, like the willingness to kind of know that there's more do more, take some bigger risks. Like, could you talk about that for you and maybe some of the other kickers that you know? Well, yeah. Um, I was, I was raised a Catholic, love my Catholic, uh, upbringing. Um, been to many, uh, non-denominational churches as well. Growing up, uh, in the NFL, we're very fortunate. We have chapels, we have masses, we have chaplains, priests, pastors. So during a football season, we really have, uh, the, uh, I'm going to call it faith building um, available to us yeah. in, in many forms and fashions. So that's fantastic. Um, and there's a lot of really strong, faithful men in the NFL and, yeah. and and coaches for that matter. I mean, Tony Dungy is one of my, and I've never played for Tony. I would have loved to play for him. I mean, he is across the board. I've read two of his books. Love the guy. Yeah. Uh, strong, strong faith, strong faith. Um, so, but that's that I'll be honest with you. My career doesn't exist if I didn't have the faith and the upbringing yeah. that I had. Um, why, why is that? Well, because the, the peace confidence, um, that I could live my life with and, and, and weave into my career, if not my that being the foundation of my career, that's what kept me going. That's what got me there. To, Keeps you waking up on days when you had a shitty day the day before. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I would, I would choose Bible verses during the course of the season um, that I'd cling to. Yeah. Like, be still, know that I am God, or I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Um, I can tell you right now, if you keep reciting, be still, know that I am God, you're going to be pretty calm and confident throughout yeah. that season. <laughs> yeah. And and, uh, and so I would attach these verses to, uh, to my thought process, um, to my mindset going into and through the season. And that could keep keep me anyway, keep things in perspective. Yeah. Um, keep me sane, to be honest with you. Yeah. And and not live and die with every made kick or missed kick. Yeah, and I think I think that's a big issue as well. It's like if we attach ourselves to every little outcome, well, you know, you are gonna have ups and downs and as much as you wanna kick it straight every time, you're not. Right. And so if you yeah. attach yourself to every outcome, you're gonna start associating with the negative outcomes more often than the positive ones. Because yeah. that's just the way that our brain works. Right. So having that faith to like pull yourself out of it and say, 
there's a reason. Yeah. There's more to this. And you know, it's it's often said, you know, God has a plan for your life. Well, he does. Yeah. And if you if you love the Lord, you love your the man who uh being who created uh everything. Sorry, that's what I believe. Um <laughs> don't have to apologize. So in Genesis. <laughs> uh uh then um everything stays in perspective. Right. Um and that that that's again been my foundation. Yeah. Um that's something else to say that was really unique. I bet it was I'll, real I'll, I bet it was really good. I'll, I'll circle back. I bet it was really it. good. We'll just we'll all pretend <laughs> that it was great. Yeah. Don't worry. Yeah. I got it. <laughs> I'm sure it'll come to me. Um tell me about so so obviously you've had you've had some successes in your career. You've had you've had some learning opportunities in your career and you know now your career is helping others have a similar career and it's it's helping and teaching and mentoring other people. Um what do you view as like, what would you define success as in your life? It's a good question. Definition of success. Uh, taking, uh, making an impact in someone's life, a positive yeah. impact, uh, whether it's teaching them a skill you've learned, an experience you've had that's going to help them further their career, further their path, better their life. Yeah, and hopefully we get to see that come to fruition. Uh, that's exciting for me. I, I feel, me personally, I'm doing my job. If I see the light come on uh, with someone's skill or ability or performance, yeah, uh, or they're just becoming a better version of themselves, yeah. And if something that I did, said, shared, uh, mentored, um, demonstrated for them, if that's helping them move in that direction, then I feel that's success for me. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, is that kind of your big why for what you keep doing as well? Like, obviously you like every time I show up here, you're here helping people, supporting people. Um, I just found out that you said yes to doing this podcast in the middle of helping everybody prep for a combine, <laughs> which I told Pat was stupid of you. Um, but I appreciate you doing it anyways. Like you're, you're mm. always serving others. Is that your big why? Uh, well, um, you know, back to my mother that I just bagged on because I said she gave me the worry <laughs> team. Uh, she was a, a people person. Yeah. And um, she helped gazillion amount of people in her life, as does my wife. And that's probably why I'm married to an amazing woman that has that same trait as my mom. Uh, my wife, Holly, helps a gazillion people. Yeah. Um, and so... Uh, yeah, I think that's part of it. Um, you know, I think that was passed down uh, in my family. Uh, and I think we are called, uh, again, whether um, you want to talk from a Christian standpoint, and we're given a talent, we're given a gift, uh, and it's up to us to share it, to, yeah. uh, to grow it, and to share it with others, uh, not to hide it, put it in our pocket, or selfishly hold on to it um, very tightly and not fear um, of losing it almost like yeah. keeping it to yourself. Yeah. And, uh, and not sharing that gift. So uh, that's, that's what I feel. People help me on my journey. Yeah. You know, I had some that Jim breach we talked about earlier. They didn't have to, he was a veteran, you know, I was there really to try to take his job and he still helped and he still, you know, Mr. Naive 
little 23 year old me thinks, why is this guy helping me? I'm going to take his job. Yeah. He knew better. He knew yeah. I was not going to take his job. Uh, <laughs> but, um, and so people, and he also, me. he also got some fulfillment from it, from helping uh, a young up and coming athlete learn what it really took. I hope so. Yeah. I mean, he was super kind and professional to me. Yeah. I remember uh, telling somebody, it might have been my parents, that he helped me discuss something in practice. In fact, I think we're we're in a it's training camp. We're in a team field goal situation, and he kicked first, I kicked second, and then the uh, Massimo Manka, the kicker from Penn State, was kicking third in this this team drill. We're kicking field goals. It's a terrible field that we're kicking on. It's a grass yeah. field. It's all torn up. He kicks his field goal. He makes it. And then he tells the coach to move the ball a little bit to the left because there's a hole back here and it's very difficult to kick out of here. So move it to the left and make it easier for the two young guys. <laughs> I'm thinking, is he crazy? So, and I was like, wow, that was pretty cool of him to, to do that. Yeah. So um, anyways, if, if I can uh, help someone along their journey yeah. and, and give them a leg up, yeah. then... Uh, I'm happy to do it. That's that's amazing too. Thinking back to that, like that's a moment that you remember. It wasn't it wasn't like you know a certain field goal that you made or something like that. It was that moment that he helped you like move the kick over a few inches to make sure it was a little bit easier. That yeah. moment of service. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Speaking of memorable moments, what's your most let's say your most memorable moment kicking in the NFL? Uh, uh, so hard to break it down to one yeah but that's why we ask these questions um one people always laugh when i mention this but it's with the chargers yeah we went one and 15 in the year 2000 yep i remember that one victory uh we we didn't secure that victory until i believe it was like week 13 i was gonna say it's something after week 12 i so remember that late season. yeah so this is what happens. <laughs> Football season starts. You have your your beat riders, and you know everybody's excited in your city that this is going to be your year. Yeah. <laughs> so in thirty two cities, every every team and their local media think it's going to be their year. Yep. It's going to be the year for your team. So everybody's excited. All the articles are positive. So you get up. You get to about week ten, and you're zero and ten. Okay. No one thinks you're going anywhere except everybody's getting fired. Yeah. When the season ends, if, if they don't get fired prior to that. And all those beat writers, you're down to about one beat writer now. The rest of them are playing golf and getting coffee and could really care less about following the team because we're just a bunch of losers. There's no national media. Yeah. No ESPN or CNN or Fox or any. No one's coming in to cover your team. Now you're 0 12. Yeah. And you just may be the first team at this time, the year 2000. You may just be the first team to go 0 and 16. So now the national coverage starts to get so now, <laughs> so everybody starts coming back. Shows up. Sporting <laughs> news shows up. So now they want to interview the losers. Yeah. Who are going to go 0 and 16. Now, Detroit did us that favor, and then Cleveland matched it and did the favor a few years later. So yep. there are there are teams now, two of them that went 0 and 16. Uh, we're not even counting the, the Buccaneers when they first got started. They went 0-14, but that was a 14-game season. Yeah. So we have lots of media coverage now. We're 0-12. And this little monkey on our back of not having a victory has become a gorilla. Yeah. 
And we're playing Kansas City at home. Warren Moon's the starting quarterback for Kansas City. Great quarterback, great career. Anyways, we managed to, to make our way through this game. And we kick a 52-yard field goal at the end of the game to secure the victory. Yeah. And I've never seen so many grown men cry in a locker room. <laughs> Smoking cigars, cheering yeah. and crying. You, you would have thought, thought we won the Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, because everybody got to erase off their resume that they went 0-16. The 0-16 season. And uh, that was a, a, a big moment. Darren Bennett uh, was my holder and our punter at the time. David Ben was a long snapper at the time. They served up a perfect snap and hold. We make the kick, and we we just dodge a bullet. That's going zero and sixteen. That's amazing. So that was that was one of my favorite moments. That's awesome. I love it. Um, well, I feel like we could probably keep going for a while on a lot of this different stuff, but I won't keep you too much longer. Um, just a couple of speed round questions for you. Okay. Um, so, first question for you: What's been your most recommended, or maybe you don't do this, but what's been your most recommended book for people? What makes a man? What makes a man? What makes a man? Uh, from the Promise Keepers. Yeah. Back in, I don't know when that was. I guess the '90s. Yeah. It was a movement. Uh, Bill McCartney, head coach of the University of Colorado uh, Buffaloes, uh, was one of the main big names that was involved in that. Um, it's also a Christian book. You know, I probably should have said the Bible first and what makes a man second. Yeah, but it's too late for that. You already it's messed that. You already messed so. that one up, John. <laughs> I that up. This isn't this isn't an uh, Oscars acceptance speech. <laughs> so uh, that's a great book. It has a lot of strong wisdom for men. What what it means to be yeah. a man, an accountable man, um, to uh, to your friends, your 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 coworkers, your family, your wife, uh, your children. So great book, great book. Uh, there was a, a quote book called The Edge, which I really loved, um, and uh, just a bunch of quotes, uh, athletic from from coaches to players to general managers. Yeah. Uh, also, very inspiring book with um, a lot of great wisdom. I love that. And speaking of quotes, uh, you have a wall here in the gym covered in quotes. What's your What's your favorite one? Yeah, it's from in, in shock from all the people who come and. And give their wise words of wisdom of what it takes to so, succeed. What's uh, your favorite? There's a lot of plagiarism going on on the wall. Yeah. Uh, our good friend Steve Weatherford, who uh, uh, we are teammates together for, yep. for years, and Steve and I have we're getting been, Steve on the on the podcast next great week. Friends. Uh, he's a psycho. Um, <laughs> I would probably say one of his favorite quotes that he wrote up there was, uh, "If you're not the lead dog, if you're not the lead dog, the view never changes." That's one of his. Oh. That's one of his. Um, one that I came up with, this is an original, this is an original, uh, courage to fail, perseverance to succeed. I like it. Courage to fail, perseverance to succeed, because we can all have courage, uh, if we're going to step out on the football field and there's no rush and we're, you know, we're 15 yards away from the goalpost, we just got to poke it through to win the Super Bowl. Uh, we don't have a lot, we don't need a lot of courage for that one. Right. Um, but if they send you out on the field and you're 58 yards away and there's a 50 mile an hour wind left to right, and they have the best rushing blocking field goal, uh, unit coming at you, um, then 
we better have a lot of courage, that number takes one. Courage, yeah. And you better mm-hmm. have some perseverance because uh, in situations like that, it doesn't always go well. And mm-hmm. if you're going to hold on to your job, you better persevere through that trial. And so I think perseverance is a trait that um, really every great champion possesses. Beautiful. Perseverance. I love that, man. Um, you know, obviously, so on the Shit You Don't Learn in College podcast, we talk a lot about um, you know, I call them the big three money, meaning and freedom, right? So part of that is money. But I think one thing that I've found for successful people, money, money doesn't always mean everything to everybody. In fact, the most successful people, you know, don't treat money as everything. They treat it as the opposite, just a tool or something like that. Um, what would you say is, is something to you more important than money? Uh, making an impact. Yeah. Making an impact. Um, uh, my father always taught us that if, if you're passionate about something, you love a job, a career path, a skill, and you love it enough to put the time and effort into it and become very good at it, then money will, money will come. Yeah. Money, the career, the success will follow. Yeah. Um, as opposed to just chasing the dollar. Right? How can I make the most amount of money the fastest in the fast amount of time, uh, that doesn't always bring joy and fulfillment. Um, can leave a lot of emptiness, a lot of again, holes. Yeah. Again, so um, so I hope I'm 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 following my my father's advice and following my passion, something I really enjoy doing. And at some point, uh, this facility will be uh, ten times the size. Yeah. Uh, it'll be the Under Armour John Carney Specialist Perfect. Making, uh, <laughs> training Center. I like it, man. That sounds good, Under Armour. Or Nike. <laughs> I'm not opposed to Nike. We'll make it happen. <laughs> yeah. um, beautiful, man. I think this has been great. I think there's going to be a lot of nuggets for everybody here. Uh, John, thank you for showing up. This has been been awesome. But uh, I appreciate it, man. Thank you, Xander. Thanks. Appreciate you. Keep up. Great work. All right. That's all we have for today, folks. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. And if you did, please share this episode on your social media and tag at Xander Fryer. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and give us a five-star rating so you don't miss any other great episodes. We can only spread our message when you share this knowledge with the others that need it. So we really appreciate the support. Thanks a ton.